Hey, it's Roger here. I'm not around to record a live episode, so we're reposting an episode from July 2nd about 5G conspiracy theories. Sadly, this episode is still as relevant today as it was when we taped it. Here it is again, and have a nice weekend. It's easy enough to laugh off fake conspiracy theories that seemingly link 5G with the spread of the coronavirus, but there are some serious real-world consequences. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is Katie Collins, our senior European correspondent. Thanks for joining me, Katie. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. Uh, so you've got a great story that really puts a human face on the, the end result of these conspiracy theories. But before we get into it, let's recap things for our listeners. What exactly is being said about 5G? Well, a variety of things, really. Um, I mean, it's all started off from the fact that there have been conspiracy theories around network technology for as long as it's existed almost. Um, but at the beginning of this year, we saw a new spate of conspiracy theories appearing online that basically said that 5G was either causing or it was uh, linked to the spread of coronavirus. So either some people have been saying that it's directly responsible for transmitting the virus, which is scientifically impossible. Um, and other people have been suggesting that 5G, uh, the radiation from 5G lowers your immune system, and makes you more likely to catch coronavirus. Um, both of these things are categorically not true. Yeah, I, and I've actually, um, I've watched a couple of these videos. They've been shared to me by a couple of acquaintances on Facebook asking if, if these are legit. And after watching them, like, I can see why I can easily be fooled because they sound legitimate. They've got, um, they've got a British sounding voice um, speaking with a bit of authority. Usually someone who says, I used to work for a Vodafone or I used to work for an EE. And let me tell you, these companies know it's dangerous. And like, if you if you don't know enough about 5G technology, you'll, you'll miss out on the little inaccuracies that are thrown out there. Uh, and so I can see why why the you know folks are buying into this but you know to your point uh conspiracy theories around networking and cellular technology have been around for a long time 2g 3g um there's constantly a debate over whether or not the radiation from these uh this technology is actually harmful and and that's still kind of kind of up in the air right we haven't really conclusively proved one way or the other but this is kind of the first time that people are are acting out on these conspiracy theories, this thinking. So why is that? Why why are people taking action now? Yeah, um, it's really interesting because as you say, you know, this is kind of, we started to see our own friends and family sharing these conspiracies that before used to just be the kind of, um, just be popular among a kind of niche group on the internet. Um, and I think that the, the reason that this has really become, if not mainstream, then, you know, more broadly popular is the fact that, um, you know, I spoke to a professor at, at the University of Oxford who's been researching um, this the spread of conspiracy theories throughout the coronavirus outbreak. And he said that, you know, it's really created the fear uh, that people are feeling generally, the um, the fact that everything's unstable right now, the fact that people have, you know, their their trust in people in charge is, is really in doubt more than it ever has been before, has created this kind of perfect conditions for uh, theories to really spread um, because, you know, it's just that um, that doubt really that we have in everything um, is, is making us perhaps more open to uh, 
to all sorts of, of new ideas that we hadn't perhaps considered before. For sure. I mean, we've seen this in politics. Obviously, the, the Pizzagate conspiracy theory ended up resulting in someone actually taking action and, and, and shooting up a, a pizza parlor in D.C. So, like, clearly people are acting more and more on these. Um, you've actually spoken to some of the folks who have endured the harassment, uh, these telecom workers. Tell me about that. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're, we've seen across the UK, we've seen a variety of um, different ways in which people have been acting out, from people attacking masts to people approaching telecom workers in the streets. And, um, you know, they've just been going about their daily jobs, um, most of the time trying to fix people's broadband, uh, trying to resolve uh, problems with telephone lines, you know, the kind of usual day-to-day -day stuff. And they've had people approaching them um, and being mainly verbally abusive to them. Some some of them have been um, the victims of more serious assaults as well. But the people that I'd spoken to, largely, um, firstly, they, they, weren't, they didn't have anything to do with 5G anyway. Um, you know, it's a misconception. And, you know, they had members of the public approaching them and swearing at them, um, you know, telling them that their kids were going to get sick um, because they had, um, because they were working on 5G, um, being quite threatening, you know, threatening to um, interfere with the equipment that they were installing um, or maintaining. Um, and, you know, in some cases, they had to kind of get, make a quick getaway. Um, in, in other cases, they were, you know, mainly okay. But I think the, the one common theme that I, that I discovered when I spoke to these people was the fact that they all really, you know, in the past, they've just felt totally safe doing their jobs. They're quite used to talking to members of the public and, you know, they're very happy to do so. And that's just kind of being out and about constantly and meeting new people. That's just part of their work. And now they feel this real trepidation and uh, they feel very wary about meeting people and, and what might happen to them when they're just out doing their jobs. Yeah, and I'm just curious, how, how did you find some of these people? Um, so I was speaking um, mainly to people through the networks. Um, you know, they, these uh, the engineers tend to work for the networks, either they're employed directly by them or they work on contract. Um, and, you know, there is... Um, one engineer here I spoke to who's well is, is an electrical engineer and he's he's contracted by um, EE one of the biggest networks here in the UK uh, to kind of go out as a first responder when when there's an incident um, that involves some of their network technology his job is to go out and secure it and make sure that it's safe and the power's turned off and that no one's electrocuted um, so uh, and he's been responding to a lot of the mast fires that have been happening um, you know, and he's been really shocked to see um, some of the damage that's been done there. Yeah, I'm curious how those interviews went. I mean, when they when they talked about their instances, the instances of harassment, uh, and and what's happened to them. I mean, was it that they get emotional? Like, how, were they shocked? Uh, I'm just curious how they sort of see these uh, the rise in this conspiracy theory. Yeah, um, I would say that most of them were uh, quite circumspect, um, and you know, for some of them. The incidents happened maybe a few, a couple of weeks ago now, or a month ago or so, uh, because they've been continuing from from probably peaking around March and April, um, as the as the coronavirus outbreak peaked here, um, it's kind of followed the path. And you know, they said, you know, if you'd spoken to me in the, immediately after it had happened, I probably would have been more angry and more, um, uh, you know, emotional about it. But they were quite sort of circumspect. 
you know, I, I think that they were relatively calm. I think I would probably have been more anxious going, you know, and and maybe more upset about it. But um, but you know, they seem quite level-headed chaps. I would say. Right, and you you noted the, the companies has have taken steps to protect their employees. Like what what did they do exactly to ensure the safety of their of their workers? Yeah, that was another thing that I noticed actually when I was talking to them, and perhaps one of the reasons why they were relatively calm is that they all felt like they were had been really well protected by the companies that they were working for. Um, you know, they had. Um, some of them had received extra training um, on how to de-escalate situations if they if they were assaulted or you know approached by people who were aggressive. Um, they had been there've been a number of things that the companies have done as well. They've a lot of them have taken the signage off their vans, so when these um, engineers are driving around, they can't be so easily identified by people who have a vendetta against them. Um, the engineers have also been told not to work alone and to try and make sure that they're with at least one colleague at all times. Um, and in some more serious situations, you know, there have been some masts, uh, 5G masts or even 4G or 3G, because people don't necessarily know, um, that have been attacked multiple times. And at the, the sites where there have been multiple attacks, they've often put security in place. And while they've been doing key repairs as well, they've had security. Uh, personnel there to to deal with anyone that comes along, right? And, and beyond telecom workers getting harassed, I mean, what are some of the other real world consequences um, that have resulted from these attacks? I mean, there's been a lot of damage to property. Um, so most of the masts tend to be freestanding, um, and you know, I think the one estimate I saw was that you know, for a mast that had been done but burned down, it 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 would cost about ten to fifteen thousand pounds usually to try and uh, repair that damage um, but you know there have been some masts that have been attached to buildings um, and the you know the um, the damage has been more widespread so you know it's the buildings have had to be evacuated um, there have been instances where you know roads have had to be closed um, because the because the masts are at risk of falling over so um, you know there's there's been that kind of damage and then obviously there's been a knock-on effect on the local communities that have been served by those masts. So in one case, a Vodafone mast that was actually serving one of the NHS Nightingale hospitals, which has been specifically set up as a field hospital to deal with um, coronavirus patients. Um, you know, the masts have been knocked out. And for those patients in that hospital and for, you know, other patients in perhaps care homes or other hospitals across the country that have been served by these masts, They've been so isolated while they've been ill and in, you know, under the care of medical staff because they haven't been able to see their friends and their families. Um, and, you know, it's been very distressing for a lot of people who have um, had their contact really with the outside world be cut off. Yeah. And, and to your point, um, the irony of it all here is that you know, the, these folks are trying to take down the 5G networks, but really the, the equipment that they've been destroying has been hurting 4G Signal 3G and 4G services, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, you know, there's not really a way to tell unless you are, there are some um, uh, nerds who I follow on Twitter who are very good at identifying the cool kind of 5G masts and they like look out for them and, you know, they can spot them and they can tell the, the equipment apart. But for most people, you wouldn't know what, what a mast is, is doing, whether it's 5G, 3G, even 2G, there are still, you know, still some 2G equipment around as well. Um, you know, so it's not as if these attacks have 
necessarily affected the 5G networks that much. Right. Um, likewise, a lot of the engineers I spoke to work for OpenReach, which in the UK is responsible for the UK's uh, telephone infrastructure and uh, for laying fiber broadband. That's not. It's got nothing to do with the 5G networks. So, which is another reason that when they were first attacked and approached about 5G on the street, they were very confused because they <laughs> it wasn't even their job. Yeah, and it's interesting because I know the, the this conspiracy theory really centers on, in particular, millimeter wave technology, the, the sort of super high frequency uh, version of 5G that's really, really fast and responsive. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of there's been years of sort of conspiracy theories centered on that. Even my own local town's mommy group had floated that idea of the dangers of five G. Um, but as far as I could tell, like in, in the in the UK, are there actually any millimeter wave deployments? Because I, I feel like the the five G there is usually more like mid band stuff, right? Yeah. So um, in across the whole of Europe, actually, um, we have really focused on sub six, which is totally different kind of. Uh, 5G and we'll get millimeter wave eventually as well um, but those auctions are still ongoing across Europe you know we're, right. we're not at that stage yet um, it's, yeah I, I find that fascinating because a lot of these conspiracy theories are pinned on millimeter wave particularly in China same deal in China they don't use millimeter wave yet and so like there's already a fundamental flaw in this conspiracy theory that that people seem to not really get um as you know, like things have cooled down. It's been a couple of weeks since these attacks have gone on. I don't know if they're still going on now, but like, how how are things in the UK? Are people still trying to burn equipment? Or? Well, like you say, things have calmed down a lot. But one of the engineers I spoke to um, just a few days ago was um, on his way to a mast that had been burned down. So they haven't completely stopped. Um, and you know, there's a concern as well that. Um, that if there's a second wave perhaps of coronavirus that as the cases maybe start to tick up again, um, you know, perhaps the conspiracy theories could also experience a second wave um, and get, you know, a new momentum. Um, and, you know, as one of the engineers that I was saying, I was talking to uh, said, it only takes people to, you know, the celebrities that were pushing the conspiracy theories online um, and more people to start paying attention to it again and start sharing it more widely again. Um, for you know, perhaps people, more people to see it and adopt it. I mean, fortunately, I think a lot of the technology platforms, the social media platforms, have tried to crack down on this as well. Um, and you know, it's it's tricky because on you know, Twitter has has now has a policy of removing um, anything that promotes this conspiracy, this particular conspiracy theory. Um, and I think Facebook, you know, has a has a unique challenge in that both that. It has private groups where, the, and you know, you they, they take them down, but they spring up again, um, where the, a lot of this information is shared, and also over WhatsApp, um, you know, which is it's a bigger problem of misinformation that we've seen throughout the uh, coronavirus as well. Um, but you know, it's it's tricky to know. The, the networks were obviously outraged about it, but I think that they don't think that they're necessarily in the clear yet. Yeah, and I know, Katie, you did a lot of reporting out in, in the UK, sort of where it's been impacted. Uh, but it's not just a UK problem. This is a, a, a problem that's affected us here in the US. The Department of Homeland Security had issued a warning 
to carriers here that there might be a risk to some of the equipment to, to kind of protect and be mindful of potential violence. So it's there are folks who believe in this conspiracy theory all over the world. Yeah, I've seen some cases in Australia as well. So there you go. Well, thank you. I appreciate you reporting on this important story. If you have any questions for me or Katie, drop us a line at The Daily Charge on Twitter. You can check out Katie's story on CNET.com. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>